Walking on the road to Jerusalem The time had come to sacrifice again 
My two small sons, they walk beside me on the road. The reason that they came was to watch the lamb. Daddy, daddy, what will we see there? There's so much that we don't understand. So I told them of Moses and Father Abraham, and then I said, "Dear children, watch the land, for there will be so many in Jerusalem today. We must be sure the Lamb doesn't run away." Then I told them of Moses and Father Abraham, and then I said, "Dear children, watch the lamb." And when we reached the city, I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshippers. No joyful worship songs. I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men, and then I heard the crowd cry out, "Crucify him!" We tried to leave the city. But we could not get away. Forced to play in this drama, I did not wish to play. Why upon this day were men condemned to die? Why were we standing here when soon they would walk by? I looked and said. Even though they called, the first one cried for mercy. The people gave him none. The second one was violent. He was arrogant and loud. I still can hear his angry voice screaming at the crowd. Then someone said, "There's Jesus." I scarce believe my eyes. A man so badly beaten, he barely looked alive. Blood poured from his body, from the thorns upon his brow, running down the cross and falling to the ground. I watched him as he struggled. I watched him as he fell. The cross came down upon his back. The crowd began to yell. In that moment, I felt such agony. In that moment, I felt such loss. Until a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed. You carry his cross.
fist I tried to resist him Then his hand reached for his sword And so I knelt and took the cross From the Lord I placed it on my shoulder And started down the street The blood that he'd been shedding Was running down my cheek They led us to Golgotha They drove nails deep in his feet and hands And yet upon the cross I heard him pray Father, forgive them Oh, never have I seen such love In any other eyes Into his hands I commit my spirit He prayed and then he died I stood there for what seemed like years I'd lost all sense of time Until I felt two tiny hands Holding tight to mine My children stood there weeping I heard the oldest say Father, please forgive us The last What have we seen here? There's so much that we don't understand. So I took them in my arms and I turned and faced the cross. And then I said, Dear children, watch the lamb. Tonight is our Good Friday and Tenebrae service. It's obviously very different from other types of worship services that we have. Tenebrae means extinguishing of the light. And see, the order of this worship is actually very simple. There will be a reading, one of the last words that Jesus said. After each reading, there will be a short reflection. During that reflection, one verse of a song will be sung. And during that singing, one candle, one by one, will be extinguished. At the very end of our worship service, we will end in darkness, remembering the price our dear Savior paid. I would ask that you would leave this service in silence tonight. Will you please stand as you are able? And we begin this time of the worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Together, please. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Amen. You may be seated. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. The first word that Jesus gave was one of forgiveness. Is it not, after all, the purpose of the cross? Forgiveness of sin. The Father sent the Son out of love. The Son, out of love, died so that you may be forgiven. love is this oh my soul oh my soul what wondrous love is this oh my soul Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul for my soul And the people stood by, watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, 
This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Even as he hung on the cross, Jesus extends grace and mercy to one who did not deserve it. But out of compassion for the one who sought him, he promised him everlasting life. Sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Laid aside his crown for my soul. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. In the last moments of his life, he honored his mother, not simply as her son, but as her Lord and Savior. He provided comfort where he had none. Oh, 
And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Limi, Sabathian, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The greatest pain that Jesus felt was the separation from the Father. Surely in this pain, he was crushed for our iniquities. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. Though Jesus is the fountain of living water because he was also fully human, he would know what it means to be dry, parched with a burning thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Love. Love is a word that gets used in so many different ways 
it almost doesn't mean anything anymore. The rallying cry in our culture in this day is love is love, which really doesn't mean anything, does it? I mean, growing up, we learned that you can't use the same word in the sentence to define the word. And yet, that's the rallying cry. Love is love. And if you ask people what love is, they'll often say, well, it's how I feel. It's my feeling. And my feelings define the measure, the standard of what love is. And yet, people who say it's just their feeling of love are often chasing after that feeling with person after person, with thing after thing, seeking but never finding enduring love. I mean, when you take a look and, and you would ask them, so point two, what is an example of enduring love? The only thing that they have to point to is themselves, and that's self-idolatry. But what they don't understand is that chasing the feeling of love or just saying love is love is love, it's not an enduring love. It's actually a castle built of sand, and it crushes. It's destroyed at the slightest weight. So if you and I were to point to something that is enduring love, lasting love, Love that does not change. Love that does not shift or crumble under the weight of the world. To what would you point? The cross. The cross. When you take a look at the cross, it is a symbol of God's enduring love. But it's not just a symbol, is it? It's just not an abstract thought or an idea. It's an object that stands for all time. It doesn't shift according to culture. It doesn't shift according to opinions. It does not shift according to opinions. It is an object that stands for all time and shows God's love. But it's more than just showing God's love. It is how God gave his love. In this, this is love. You see, love isn't just a passive thing, is it? When you actually love someone, it moves you to act on their behalf. And you all know this. I know you know this. I'm sure you have all gotten up some point at 3 a.m. to help somebody in need, whether it's a child, a spouse, a neighbor, You've done that drive to the hospital or to the ER. You've taken a day that was supposed to be rest, and you gave it for another because they needed your help at that time. That's the sacrificial love that we're talking about. It is a love that moves you to act on behalf of others, and it is the same with God. God's love moves him to act on behalf of others. And so on this Good Friday, we are going to understand what this love is. And we're going to be taking a look at Scripture 
at John's first letter, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. We'll start with verse 9. In this is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Notice, John does not start off pointing at anything in the world to define love. He says, in this, the love of God. He points to God. God being the standard, the measure of what love is. And he says, in this, the love of God was made manifest. So what does that mean? It means that he sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God in the flesh. In this is love that God sent his only son, his precious son. You know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's a lot of love packed into that one verse. You see, it does not say that God sent his son into the world because we loved God. In fact, it's just the opposite. God sent his only son into the world because he loved the world which hated him. I mean, think about it. God sent his only son, Jesus, into a world full of sin. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? I mean, you know, we were still sinners. I mean, just like love gets used in so many ways, the impact of sin and sinners, it just gets watered down. Oh, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, everyone's a sinner. And so we just go on our way, thinking it really doesn't mean too much. We dismiss the offense of sin. And yet, God sent his son in the world because of that sin. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 3. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. When I read the news, when I see everything that is happening, certainly in America, these words truly ring true, don't they? It says, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Is there not curses and bitterness? I mean, outright curses now. From all people, no matter their, their status, no matter if it's the president on down, full of curses and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. Certainly, we don't know much peace in our world today. 
God sent his only son into that world. And yet it's not just the world out there, is it? Because it would be really easy then to dismiss us and our part in that. Like, they're sinners, I'm okay. But we can't. I mean, when we take a look at the cross, you can't just say, God sent his only son to the world to die for those other people. He died for me. You know, I want to think my heart's pretty good. But apart from Christ, it's not. Jesus said this, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil, thoughts, sexuality, immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. That's our state apart from Christ Jesus. That's the state of the world. Now, if you had a neighbor who hated you this much, would you offer mercy, grace, and forgiveness? Would you send your beloved child to their house to offer grace, mercy, and forgiveness? I wouldn't. And what if you just not even had a one person, but if you had a whole town or a state or a nation that hated you so much, wouldn't you just sh simply shake the dust off your feet and leave them to their own demise? God loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son into that world. In this is love. In this is love. God sent his only son who was with him from eternity. There was never a time when the father and son were separated the Son sat at the right hand with the Father in the glory of heaven. And the Son had all power and majesty and glory. And the Father loved the world that he sent his Son, and the Son loved the Father. Came to be mocked, to be spat upon, to be crucified. In this is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest for us, among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. He died so that we might live. It says this, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We covered that word last night, propitiation. It's one of those big words, but it is an important word. Simply, it means to appease the wrath of God. Jesus paid the full penalty 
for God's wrath, the holy God's wrath against sin, Jesus paid that penalty in full. When he said, it is finished, it means it was paid in full. There is nothing else to be done. The debt was paid. And so Jesus bore that wrath so you and I wouldn't have to. You know, in the song, How Great Thou Art, it says this. And this is, the, this is a verse that always makes me choke up. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. Take away my sin. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that phrase that God sent his son not sparing actually comes from Scripture. It comes from Romans chapter 8. It says this, he, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And I don't know if you know this, but that one verse goes all the way back to Genesis, referencing Abraham and Isaac. Now, if you were here on Ash Wednesday, the very beginning of Lent, we actually covered that whole account of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice of Isaac. And I said that we would come full circle to that on Good Friday, and so here we are. You see, it is from Genesis, the Old Testament, to the New Testament that we can make a direct line. It is from Abraham and Isaac that we make a direct line to Jesus and his cross. If you recall, God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son whom you love. And Abraham obeyed, and so he took Isaac. And Isaac had to carry his own wood to the sacrifice. But he had a question. He said, where's the lamb to be sacrificed? And Abraham answered, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God will provide for himself. He didn't say, God will provide for us. He said, God will provide for himself the lamb for burnt offering, my son. Why would God provide something for himself? Because it had to be a sacrifice. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. God's righteousness, his holiness, his law demands a perfect sacrifice for sin. And there is nothing that you and I could ever do to offer up a perfect sacrifice. And so God did what we could not do. He offered up a perfect sacrifice. He offered up his son, Jesus, to bear the price. God provided the lamb who was slain. the lamb who was sacrificed. Now, it's interesting. 
that in that account, the ram in Genesis, the ram was caught in a thicket of thorns around his head. And Christ on the cross wore that, cro uh, uh, that crown of thorns. Isaac had to carry his own wood, but he was spared. Jesus had to carry his own cross, but he was not spared. This is what it means. But God did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. Jesus bore that full price for us. And so the song we have sung tonight is perfect for it. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. In this, this is love. It is not a sentimental love. It is a self-sacrificial love, one that laid down his life for the sake of another. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. And this is love. And that is why it is a good Friday. When Jesus said, it is finished, as it is as if he cried out to the Father, I have loved you completely to the very end. And it is as if he cries out to each one of us, I have loved you completely very end. And this is love. It is eternal. It does not move. It does not waver. It stands for all time. When you look at the cross of Christ, you see the love of God. You see the love of Christ Jesus. And when he said, it is finished, that the price had been paid in full, Behold the man upon the cross. And this is love.
It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. He had completed everything that was asked. Nothing was held back. Now, with his dying breath, he gave his spirit to the Father. Nothing was held back in life or in death. Thank you. 